Hi, this is Safia, and you are listening to Young People. It's a brand new episode, and we've got very special guests um, to with us today. Now, um, again, Sabrina is not here; it's me alone still. Uh, so that's why I need to bring more people so that I'm not that lonely on this episode. Uh, now, before we begin, I just wanted to uh, uh, inform you guys that this is actually a second uh, part of the. Uh, Perempuan Malaysia series um, that we have on young people. In our previous episode, we had uh, uh, an episode where we interviewed um, Artika, who is a writer, and we talked about the Malay woman experience. And for today, we've got two guests uh, to explore the Chinese, the Malaysian Chinese um, woman's experience. And for today, we've got um, two very special guests. They're very great women, like that I personally know, okay, and we've got... Hi, I'm Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Sue. Alright, so I got my two friends here, there's Jane and Sue, and before I ask them to introduce themselves, uh, I just want to like um, help you all out to figure out our location. We're not at a uh, our usual spot, alright? I'm not at, uh, at our studio that I usually... Make all of my guests c- come over. No, technically, it's a studio, okay? Like, you guys can start speaking now. No, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It's a studio, yeah, but we're not, we're at in a, in a very new place, and I'm going to apologize for all the bumping and the thumping that you guys are probably going to hear because unfortunately, uh, this location is going through uh, some sort of renovation. Mm. It's beyond our control. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you guys ready? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, uh, I think before we begin, let's just warm up a little bit. Okay. Mm. Maybe tell our listeners a bit about yourself. All right. Hi, I'm Jane. I am a teacher and I used to work in HR. Now, I guess I like to talk to people. That's why all my jobs have something to do with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I like baking. Oh, <laughs> I love your baking. I like baking. Oh my god. And you still owe me an Earl Grey cake. I know. Yeah, I think I'll just leave it at that for now. Okay, yeah. cool. Sue? Uh, okay, and I'm Sue. I also teach. Uh, I like books. Oh my god! Let me like lots of books. <laughs> like books. Like and books. thanks, thanks to a certain someone, I've started reading a lot more. Again, <laughs> probably too much. <laughs> but uh, I also like gaming, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I can't say that I've done a lot of gaming uh, recently. This yeah, recently, thanks to someone <laughs> again. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I guess that's it about me. Okay. Well, I'm so happy that you guys could be here because you know I I think our our life has been quite hectic this mm. past few weeks, and mm. I haven't been able to really sit down and really uh, work on my podcast. So mm. thank you so much for being here today, and especially for my last minute request to just like guys, let's just record. You know? <laughs> Thanks yeah. for the invitation. <laughs> thank you. Um, I just want to. Um, uh, I guess give a bit of a shout out to uh, Sue and I know she's going to hate this. <laughs> she's going to hate this. I'm going to give a shout out to oh. Sue who is actually the one who is the reason who allowed me to uh, have this opportunity of starting young oh people in the first gosh. place. Okay? Because here's the thing. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Okay? It has helped me start 
this particular project and which allowed me to meet brand new people and to be very honest uh, in one of our older episodes where I sat down with Sophia Nyao and mm-hmm. you were talking about how to start on your idea mm-hmm. one of the things that people often um, use as an excuse to not start on anything is the fact that lacking, uh, the lack of resources and I think and again, Sue looks really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> yeah, um, she does. <laughs> but she has to bear with it, okay? Because she deserves this recognition. Um, it's really because I was whining about it too much. I'm like, oh, I'll put it later, I'll do it later. And I think she, secretly in her own way, she's had enough yeah. of listening to me whining it's about like, it. Take it and start now. Yeah, and no excuse. And then, and then, and then oh, <laughs> but you know, she's too kind to like say it to my face. Uh, and just to show you to what extent that she was willing to like really make sure that I start on this and no excuses was that it was literally I think a few days before CNY she was already on leave she was you do you were working on your like, your CNY prep and you came to the office you went out of your way to just drop the mic at my place oh right right so I I, I I was like why would you you don't have to you can wait until CNY but she was like no 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 no. you're gonna like start thinking about that mm. so thank you Sue for you know we wouldn't have young people yeah. so if I'm when I'm rich and like a, a trillionaire <laughs> sure, sure. you know like I, I'll, I'll give a bit of roti ro- ro- uh, we'll figure that out <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure that out and I'll be okay alright <laughs> so anyways um, so we want to talk about like what it's like to be uh, a Malaysian Chinese mm-hmm. and how is that possibly eventually if we get to the point in the topic it's like how is that different from being a Chinese woman mm-hmm. like how do you interpret the, the term mm-hmm. of Chinese woman and Malaysian Chinese is there some sort of difference mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. or is this just one thing for you at all um, and and I think we let's start, start by I guess exploring stereotypes mm-hmm. what are the Common Chinese Malaysian Chinese women stereotypes that you are aware of. I wonder. Do you have anything? So? Thin, thin, right? Petite, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, fierce. Mm-hmm. Um, very family oriented. Really. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I mean, I'm talking about the traditional oh, yeah. Chinese. Oh, again, it's anything. And I'm thinking about my grandma when I'm talking about oh, this. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm thinking of my ex. All right. Uh, Uni mates, okay. classmates, mm-hmm. uh, I think one of the stereotypes was really you need to be able to speak Mandarin. Yes. Like if you don't speak Mandarin, Absolutely. you are completely yes an outcast. Who are you? Kind Absolutely. Of thing. Yeah. So you're not Chinese enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're petite. You have to be. No, not you have to be, but most people yeah. would be thinking that yeah. you'd probably you'd be petite. Yes. Mm-hmm. You'd have to be able to speak Chinese. Uh, speak Chinese, speak Mandarin, Mandarin. particularly. Yes, yeah. and uh, I feel the whole family-oriented thing—it's it's like kind of an expectation as well. Right. Yeah. Something. Do you do think is that still very much uh, prominent in your lives at this point? Is it some sort of like a stereotype that has been enforced on you to be very family-oriented? Yeah. Okay, actually, let's explore actually, that. I'm really. I, I was going to say no to Jane's mm-hmm. thing about being family oriented, but thinking about it now, like up until now, most of my decisions have been very much around um, centering around family. Right. Whatever I've been doing, whatever I, whatever I've been thinking, mm-hmm. it's very much you know, family. Um, even when it comes to things like Chinese New Year and stuff mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. a lot of. Um, like for, for me, mm-hmm. okay, you, 
uh, the stereotype was you need to be home for Chinese New Year. Yeah. You need to help prepare. Right. Or you're a girl, you need to help cook. Ah. But it's very similar to being yeah, Malay yeah, also. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's like even even for Indian women, I'm gonna speak on behalf of our sisters <laughs> there. But like yeah, okay, continue. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Very much you need you need to help cook. And yeah. if you can't cook, what what else are you gonna do? Or write decorations. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas I think the guys, mm-hmm. my cousins, would usually be the ones in charge of Driving out, mm, um, picking out supplies, yeah. oh, yes. that kind of stuff, yes. buying things. Oh my! Okay, that is very much. I can't. I don't know. I think it's very common. It's similar to Malay culture as well because we just had raya recently, yeah. right? And for me, obviously, part of the excitement of raya is to like prepare for raya, yeah. right? Cooking and cleaning yeah. out the house and everything. And for me, as a woman, I just don't like to cook. Mm. So f- the fact that I have been gender stereotype of that is my role to stay mm. in the kitchen to prepare I just can't contribute mm. so what I do is I prefer to run errands yeah. driving out and those are the, the guys yeah. jobs right the guys yeah. Things, yeah. yeah. so it's, it sounds very similar <laughs> there it yeah. reminds me in that case I would totally break that stereotype too because I can't cook <laughs> my, my mom's like the official cook mm. right Chinese New Year and everyone expects me to be following the footsteps do you get nagged by your own mother by saying like oh I don't I, why why can't you still cook? You know what I mean? Like yes, she does, but she's given up recently. So I think <laughs> that that role has been taken over by my uncles. Oh, wow. okay, that's interesting. Uncles. That's interesting. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah. But whereas I think my aunts are all pretty much like you know, uh, doesn't matter or if you can't cook, you can do something else. Mm. But I feel like they don't put in as much jabs mm. compared to the male counterparts. Right. Mm. Right. What about you? Um, if you want to talk about like going back to celebrations and all that, my duty is always to set up the cookies. <laughs> Luckily, that's <laughs> something you think, you know. I mean, we buy the cookies. I right. don't really make because it's just too much mm. to make, and I don't have the motivation to make cookies because I don't really like cookies. Mm. I like cakes, so um, I would set up cookies. Yeah, help cook because I like cooking. So that's that's one thing, and that's pretty much what I do help tidy up that kind of stuff and like my brothers they they will sit around so they get excused yeah they don't have to do anything it's always like my my family they call me girl like such a chinese thing right like girl a girl uh-huh. so it's like girl go inside out the cookies go set up the table go help cook like okay uh-huh. that's that's my job <laughs> and my brothers will be like just get out of the way that's right. pretty much it. Mm. Yeah. okay you guys mentioned i think the first uh first thing that came out of your mouth when I said what's the stereotype is that small mm-hmm. can you please talk about that what do you mean by small well if you look around mm-hmm. or even like in my um, uni uni environment mm-hmm. if you look around everyone is like 95% Chinese mm-hmm. and everyone's small mm-hmm. and I think when Celebrated? it came to things like um, coming out with costumes coming out with getting clothes for a setup like mm-hmm. for uh, drama role play, mm-hmm, play mm-hmm. and stuff like that for certain subjects mm-hmm. everyone will automatically assume size mm. S mm. XS okay. stuff like that oh wow this is brand new for me I really? Really, yeah I don't it's yeah. always been like that people and, and yeah. if you say no, no I, I want a bigger size yeah. bigger and stuff like that and they'll, they'll be like looking at you yeah. why like why or like you like oh. why didn't I mean what do you mean size bigger yeah <laughs> you know, that, that kind of but if they know like you cannot fit <laughs> <laughs> if you, I, I yeah. Oh, because assume it's gonna yeah. be XS or S. Okay, what if you have a really big size girl? 
that's usually a problem. I mean, like, mm-hmm. if you're asking me my personal experience about this whole size thing, it's like, even from when I was very young, mm-hmm. two, three years old at that age, I don't remember much from that age, but what I remember was every time someone visits the house or I go somewhere, the first thing they will do is they look at the kids, right? And they'll look at my mom like, oh, she's a bit. They won't say the word, but they use the hand gesture to make it like, oh, she's a bit yes. like big, but they won't say it. And at two or three years old, I got it. I knew they were referring to me. I'll continue playing, but I know they're saying I'm big. And, and how old were you at that time? Two, three years old. I oh, remember oh. until today. And oh. these things have like you know really sunk in. And they'll be like, oh, you're a bit big, huh? You're eating a lot, huh? She's grown a lot, huh? She's quite quite. They won't say quite fat. Healthy. They were like, no, they won't say healthy. Yeah, they'll say eat a lot. Yes. Yeah. You're oh, eating, you eat a lot, a lot, huh? You've been eating a lot. So uh, from primary school, my mom would be like, God, don't eat so much fat. Don't eat so much And then when you don't eat They're like Why are you not eating I remember yeah, I used that, to talk okay, to my yeah, friend that. I have another friend of mine That's roughly the same size as me I'm not I'm not petite mm-hmm. Very far from it My mm-hmm. best friends were petite Not me Okay how do you guys define petite Because like Now we're sitting in this room right I'm a big woman <laughs> So so looking at you guys To me you, Okay Sue is petite No I'm considered big Huh Okay sorry here. How do you define petite Because for me Is it body size Or like height Um I think it's body size. Body size, I think it's XS, S type size. Mm-hmm. It's oh the ideal size for a woman. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like tiny little waist, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. You can no be curves. Tall, tall is tall. fine. It's yeah. the, the tiny waist. I guess it's the size. What about right? curves? I don't think they want curves. So. Because you know, last time, like in secondary school, you'll yeah. always be wearing the pinafore, pinafore yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So it's assumed, auto assume like size. It's mm. that, that yeah. kind of size, you know? Yeah. No, no, they don't want girls. Okay, like so I, I like okay, because I am gonna share one story that okay. I have a very good friend of mine who said the similar story about that, like how okay. when she was young, mm-hmm. her aunties, would, like even her school teacher or her environment would just mm. make fun of her size. Mm. Now, I don't know if Jennings listens to this, mm-hmm. but my friend Nings, okay, um, she is basically the byproduct of. Growing up with people keep telling her how she's ugly and how she's fat. Now she's a tall woman, tall Chinese woman. Okay? And I guess if she were to hang out with me growing up with that kind of body size, people would just be, oh yeah, she's a bit the mum, but like, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But apparently she got really bullied or being criticized for mm-hmm. it. I, I, and I wonder, is it because she's Chinese? It's just part of Chinese culture to make. F- Make comments like because you said she was young, she was literally a kid, and mm. people say, "Oh, she's a bit um mm. fat, huh? Like what she's like, and she mm. get these comments, particularly from her grandmother. And to this day, she has a very weird sort of relationship with her grandmother. It's actually the mm. same thing. With it's me. the same. So that's why when I heard Jane, what yeah. she was saying, it's exactly. Yeah, it feels exactly. It's it's such a common thing. And then like um friends that I have in school, they were smaller in size than me, and I always dreamed of having. That small size because they can wear anything they want and I Okay, can't, question. Can't is this are these comparisons right that you have with your friends? Do this only exist within the Chinese community circle, like Chinese girlfriends, or is it something that you would compare oh you compare with um city or you compare that with my Devi? secondary school was 90% Chinese. Right. And my uni environment was ninety five percent Chinese. Mm-hmm. So I this think is quite similar, yeah. That I've heard all my life. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how is it different? Okay, before we get to the because I'm starting to see there are slight differences. Mm-hmm. Because okay, to say as women at the end of the day, body image is yeah. I mean, d- despite your race, yeah. it'll happen to yeah. you. 
you know, I grew up with it too, mm. right? But seems like the way you guys are saying how you experience being criticized for your bodies is slightly different from how I mm. had to face it, mm-hmm. right? So, um, do you get these comments from boys? Do boys make fun of your body? Boys. Is it common for Chinese men to make this, or is it just from aunties or women? Uncles. Uncles. Oh, you get from uncles. Okay, okay. But then again, my uncle, my uncles, my, I, I have a lot of uncles, right. and most of my cousins and whatnot. That means they're uh-huh. they're children. Um, yeah. Mostly boys. Right. But I guess the ones who are on the same age as me don't don't usually say stuff like yeah. that. It's the older. The older ones You're right say that, you know? It's the older ones I mean boys being boys in school Boys are cheeky Boys are boys it, It's not the It's not the That kind of sentiment mm-hmm. It's just like Boys going through puberty Saying those like Cheeky stuff about girls But yeah. that's As far as it goes Those that actually make comments Like specifically targeting your weight Are usually the older people It's like my dad's friends Or relatives Aunties Uncles They'd be like Oh You've put on weight huh Like yeah, two kgs. You noticed? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I just got that comment over this weekend. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I I got that comment two weeks ago, and I went back to my grandma's mm. place. <laughs> I'm yeah. so okay. This boggles my mind. Yeah. How? Yeah. That's the first thing. It's it's like as normal as have yeah. you eaten? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't wait, huh? Oh, you've lost weight. Sometimes they will be like, Jane, you've put on some weight. Uh, then I guess they see my expression. Then they'll be like, oh, but you look good. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Oh, wait, so, Chop. So like, uh, M size is not good? <laughs> Being M size? Okay, like how I am right now, yeah. they will notice if my face gets a bit more mm. puffy. Mm. <laughs> okay. No, uh-huh. They will be like, uh, have you been eating a lot recently? Mm-hmm. Or if let's say my face gets a bit more Slimer, less, puff- well, yeah. less puffy, yeah, they're like, lost weight? Huh? How did you do that? <laughs> okay, so my, if okay, you're like, okay, about clothing size. Yeah, I mean, I wonder because you kept talking about like how mm. X S and S and mm. and I kind of see it between my students sometimes when mm. they're like, oh, I need to get S O S S. Like they're like always, and it's I'm like, like a moment of pride if you're in the yeah, S category. Yeah, and I'm just like uh, S L. Yeah. Don't even think about it. I'm just like whatever, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. yeah. Is there like an ideal size for for Chinese girls? Because Chinese girls are okay lah. From as an outsider, right, observer, I do feel like yeah, Chinese girls are very petite, mm. and they just if if dare I say this, mm. right? Dare I say this? Mm-hmm. Out of all like between the major races in Malaysia, right, in terms of who takes care of their body best, in terms of like if you go to a certain bo- certain if you are subscribing to a certain body or mm-hmm. beauty standard, mm-hmm. I do think like. Chinese girls are the slimmest lah. Mm. Slim I bodies like lah. Because it's because we get the most flag. Yeah. From not not just from every outside mm-hmm. outsiders, mm-hmm. but inside. Yeah. Right, within the family. Yeah, in the family. I don't know, but it's only in the past few years getting a little bit deep. Mm-hmm. But in the past few years I just noticed I have a very strange relationship with my body and my weight. Mm. The way I handle it. Because at two, three years old you start hearing these things. And it comes from everywhere, especially like if it comes from your parents on a daily basis, like don't eat so much, getting fat. And then when you have um, family members that who they themselves are also obsessed with their weight, constantly talking about um, not eating so much rice, don't mm. eat so much, eat more vegetables, cause you know, you'll be like, you, it's not about being healthy, it's about like, oh, you get fat. 
That's the reason. Don't eat more fruits during dinner and all that. Not because you want more nutrients. It's because oh, you don't want to get fat. So the entire okay, life. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This this fear of being fat. Yeah. Is there a cultural tie to it? Is there like a cultural justification to it? Like. Usually, if you you know if you're fat, that means no man will want to marry mm, you. Is it is it that? Unattractive. I would say it's is unattractive. there a term? Is there a term for that? It's like much um uh I know in, in Japanese culture there's this term like nadeshiko something. Yama, what? Yamato nadeshiko. Yeah, that that term right? Which Isn't means what? Pretty woman. Pretty woman like that is the ideal Japanese woman oh. image. Is there a term in Chinese? Or something similar to that, mm-hmm. or like maybe Malays are like perempuan Melayu terakhir, but it's not so much about the body size. Mm-hmm. So it's the it's how you behave, right? Right. But for you guys, it's because now we talk about a lot about bodies and you know, mm. body image. I don't know. I don't know of a specific term, but I do know that a lot of references usually the first. Like if you watch Chinese shows, I watch Cantonese shows and all that. Like when they observe a lady, the first impression is always about the body, like mm. the size of the body, oh, that kind of thing. Oh, were the Chinese in previous, I mean, in the past, mm. the ones who were obsessed with super small waists? Yeah, oh, yes. small yes. feet, small yes. feet, yes. Foot binding. Now that you mention it, all about it, right? small. Yeah. yeah, like um, my my grandma, she oh. was really petite. She was a small little lady, almost barely touching five feet. Small little lady <gasps> oh when she God. was. In her early twenties, her waist was like um, twenty-four. Mm. Yeah, my grandma's waist was twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-four, twenty-three, and that's ideal, the perfect. I'm like you go to the that's the old go to Penang, go to those museums. You mm. look at their body size. Yeah, they look like children. Yeah, like but they worked hard. That was the thing. They were not rich. They don't have those things. I don't think that it's like a byproduct of. Trying to go on diet, I don't know. Actually, this reminds me because those who manage, who do, I mean, who do um, waist binding yeah. and foot binding are usually those who oh, are more women. well off. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because they don't have to walk. Yeah, walk. yeah. Mm. So I don't know. So that's, maybe that's that could be connected. Could be. What about okay? What about okay? You mentioned something about fierce. Fierce, yes. Yes, well, uh, Chinese women are fierce. Do you think so, though? Okay, now I have a thing about that. Now, and it ties about a bit to careers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, now for me as a Malay woman who's observed, obviously at this point is observing, mm-hmm. and just to compare between all the three races, this is just purely by experience. Yeah. I do feel culturally, mm-hmm. Chinese Malaysian Chinese women are allowed to be career driven compared mm-hmm. to. Malay and Indian women mm. because of the fact that there's a stereotype of they can be fierce mm. or dare I say a bit kiasu or like all mm. of those things mm. like they can be go-getters whereas mm. because in my culture uh, and again I'm just going to say this purely by experience I'm yeah. not speaking for the whole community here but there is a bit of an emphasis on being ayu have you heard of yes. that? yes what's ayu? ayu is lemah lembut very gentle and like like you don't have opinions and uh, not okay that's me being like super feminist but yeah, like, yeah, basically yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> but basically to be quiet and gentle oh. and like like a delicate flower and i think i know it transcends a lot of other yeah, cultures yeah. is that a stereotype for Malay women, women? Yeah. yeah like that's the oh, way they should be this. whenever i hear the word i always think of the wind like the breeze exactly like, gentle that kind yes of, yeah. so so for us to this day i still feel that it's very much the image, what mm. you should be, and mm. sometimes, to be very honest, the reason why your mother, or your auntie, or even your dad, will make comments like, 
the reason why she's not married is for Malay women ah, or because it's ayu. Mm. Like, can you not talk so loud because it's ayu? So it is. It, so concept is like that. So so uh, and therefore we are like people like me are considered intimidating mm. because I speak up. Yeah. It's not just sometimes at one point I felt it wasn't my voice, the volume of my voice, but mm. really it's just because I speak up. Mm-hmm. So it's not ayu. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not ayu, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be ayu. Mm. But and because of that. I guess it's, I'm a bit of a outlier mm. because in terms of career, mm. people will. This is the first thing I walk into a room, pakai tudung. People will think, oh, she's Ayu. She's not going to speak up. She's not going to be like a career-wise. Mm. She's not going to be a go-getter. Mm. All right. So I and that's why kind of I wonder. I look at, I look at Chinese mm-hmm. women. They don't have those expectations. Mm-hmm. That sounds so interesting because that reminds me of the tiger parenting, the Asian yeah. tiger parenting style. And if you read about you know the tiger mother, mm-hmm. it's all about being strict, yes. being loud, yes. and having control Stern. of children and whatnot yes. in the house. Yes. Maybe that's something that's translating out of the house yeah. into career now. Yeah. Because what what you've been describing about. Uh, the stereotype about Malaysian Chinese women mm-hmm. in terms of being accepted, um, being more accepted to be fierce. Yeah. That sounds exactly like how we would describe the tiger mother. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have tiger mothers in in, 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 in being in Malay culture. It's like again, it's, I mean, yeah, lah, we have very garang mothers mm-hmm. here and there, mm-hmm. but like you know, when if we compare who's more garang, the Chinese uh, mother or the Malay mother, I would say the Chinese mother is more yeah. garang. It has always been a thing I noticed like, amongst the Chinese community. Like I, I, I only again I'm referring back to my grandma because she's like the classic example of what this Chinese woman is and then how that has translated into like my mom's generation and then into my generation. My grandma was a they had no money. My grandpa was just a, a mechanic. Right. You know? So she had to handle a family of five kids mm. on her own. Mm-hmm. And and she was a fierce woman. Mm. She she had neighbors that were not kind to her. She would fight like, back. She would fight back with a cleaver. Like you oh. come, she'll chase them with a cleaver. You don't dare come and <laughs> criticize my husband. They criticize my husband, my, my grandpa's uh, career and said stuff about him because he was climbing the ladder slowly because he went for night classes to learn English. Right. Because it was under the British system. He started English classes when my uncle, my fifth uncle, his youngest child was a baby. So he was enterprising, he went to learn English and he was climbing the ladder. People were saying that he was um, taking money, doing all sorts of things and my grandma got pissed off. She got a cleaver and chased after them like, don't you talk about my husband. She was fierce. And that is accepted. And that's okay because they're like, oh, because she's Hakka. Hakka people are fierce. Yeah, I heard that. Because yeah. my friend <laughs> names is Hakka as well. And apparently Hakka women are considered very... They're fierce. And then she would plant stuff. She would have chicken. She would do all sorts of things. She'd just make it work. Okay, Cho. How does this tally? Like the, this acceptance, seemingly acceptance mm. of, of strong, fierce personalities mm-hmm. in Chinese culture. Does, how does that tally of being small? This image of... Delicate. But I think you're looking at two different yeah. things because mm. the strong, fierce image it's for women who take charge yeah. not only in the house but everything else. Yes. Like literally, the man goes out whole day. Like my grandfather, because that reminds me of mm-hmm. my grandma and my grandpa. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather goes out to the plantation. He works there. He owned a plantation last time. He goes out like practically the whole day. Mm-hmm. He's not 
anywhere near within the neighborhood mm. during the day. Mm. Yeah. And my grandma is the one that's taking care of everything else. So she's yeah. the lady of the house, she yeah, manages the she house. Yeah, even outside, like she does two or three part-time jobs mm. to keep the money. Family afloat, yeah. Yeah, I guess the money going in. Because mm-hmm. plantation alone, you know, there's like seasons right. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So she's the one who's been doing, like she's, she's a hairdresser, she cooks, mm. she... I don't know she does a lot of things yeah. that makes me really some feel yeah, very small I know, now. Yes. I know. So she's basically she does everything. Mm-hmm. She can do anything. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, mm-hmm. it's like um, I guess accepted mm-hmm. that she she holds. She she's yeah. able to like whip everyone. So into. no aunties or no relatives judging that? No, because all the rela- all my aunts are like that as well. Mm-hmm. She's she's one of the very strong ones mm-hmm. but the rest of my aunts See, are all okay, like this that is well. very different mm-hmm. from Malay culture mm-hmm. because c- just from that example alone mm-hmm. uh, like a typical Malay community would say like oh queen control mm. or, the, uh, the, or that guy they can queen control you know, the fact that mm-hmm. it is accepted that, you know, a man works, mm-hmm. supports a family, and yet the wife also works, mm-hmm. and she, memang, seems to me, sounds like memang the boss. Mm-hmm. Like, is it true that Chinese women tend to manage the finances of the family? Um, is that a stereotype? Is that, is that a stereotype? It's a stereotype. Not everyone is like that. But um, I do know that a lot of Chinese husbands would pass their finances to their wife as well. I don't. I wouldn't say it's for everyone. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do hear it quite often. Is that yeah. something that is okay for a husband to do? They always say that. I, I've heard this again. Again, mm-hmm. my experience. I don't know about other people, but people usually say that their wives are their CFOs, chief oh. <laughs> finance officers in the house, mm. because the wives send the children mm. out. They, they do the, the tuition fees, groceries. They manage everything. Also, the husband just give a lump sum to the wife. You deal with everything. Right. Or you manage the finances of the house Like I'm not gonna You know Interfere You just deal with all this stuff So right. yeah They manage But again um, Now talking about it I'm not sure whether This is something that is Expected though It's like nowadays an expectation or, Nowadays or um, back then Back then I think Because yeah. like if Again we're all talking About our own experiences And what we know mm. And um, from the women That I see Within my family And outside um, It's almost as though You have to You have to do that you have to be strong, you have to manage because otherwise, how else would you survive? Mm. That kind of thing. It has to be that way and we have to push, or they had to push their, um, their will, they had to be strong to get by day to day. I don't know, it yeah. could be a survival instinct yeah. type thing. Yeah, I think, I think it's more like working class families perhaps. Mm-hmm. And we can only speak from working class, yeah. class families anyway, right? Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. now I wonder, now I'm going to try to steer this conversation to our next topic, mm-hmm. but we're going to do a bit of slight detour and then we'll get to the next topic, yeah. next part. So, I wonder, like, is there like uh, a difference, now these stereotypes that we're discussing right now, mm-hmm. Are these particularly only Malaysian Chinese or is that like a Chinese? I mean, if you don't know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But is this like a Chinese stereotype or is it a Malaysian Chinese? At what point do we draw the line that this is a Malaysian Chinese experience, this is a Chinese mainland Chinese? You know? Okay. Um, the, the stereotype I know about the general Chinese, like you're just talking about people from China and Chinese right. everywhere, um, that they are very hardworking. Right. They, they make it work no matter where they go because like we know that there I have family staying in Australia and right. there are a lot of immigrants from like Hong Kong China in Australia Malaysian Chinese in Australia it's always a feature very hardworking 
And then um, uh, in UK as well, my brothers are staying in the UK and there are a lot of Chinese immigrants there and what, what not. Um, the, the stereotype is they work very, very hard. So I'm going to say that um, Malaysian Chinese, um, because we are the minorities, I'm just going to go there. Yeah, go there. We are the minorities. Um, there's always this thing that the parents will impress on us, like you have to work hard to get somewhere. Mm. You have to. So we need to push ourselves to work harder. In, in that sense and but I think if we talk about mainland Chinese kind of culture as well it, I think it's present that, that's just how it is you, you survive through um, doing what you can do to survive I guess that's why China is what it is today mm. like, talking that, about working hard let me just share you a tidbit mm-hmm. uh, about uh, like this is something I grew up with uh-huh. and I find it very interesting okay. how he said, because we're Chinese, we have to work hard mm. because we have to get somewhere. Mm. Now, we're, like, we're going to get political, you know, like, okay, sure. Mal- Malays get all the privileges and all that, yeah. whatever. Okay, fine. But it's interesting, within the Malay community, mm-hmm. there's a bit of that intimidation because of the fact that you guys work hard. This is something that I noticed growing up. Okay. Because uh, on one hand, for me, since we get a lot of privileges, shouldn't we use those privileges to really boost ourselves up? But what I see... I'm not saying all, don't get triggered. But like from what I see is that often we become complacent. Like this is, I'm speaking on my people here from what I've seen. Now, but when I ask them, hey, I want to do this. Like I want to achieve this because that's what I want. And sometimes I have voices, concerned voices. So sometimes from loved ones saying, oh, it's going to be very hard. You already got, like you already got benefits here. Why you want to go? Like for example, like migrating. Why you want to migrate? Mm. Like, Malaysia already give you everything, right? But I said, no, because I want more for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my logic. But then they'll say, oh, like, like, don't do that. What if, like, you know, then they'll tie in religion, lah. they'll tie in, like, saying, like, you forget your culture. And I said, oh, but Jenin can do it. Mm-hmm. If Jenin can do it, to me, she's Malaysian, so, mm-hmm. and she's a woman, she's around my age, mm-hmm. so why can't I do it too? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they'll say, oh, because she's Chinese. Because Chinese people can survive anywhere. Mm. That's something oh, that yeah. I hear. Like something like, oh, Chinese people they work very hard, mm-hmm. so that's why they can. They can. You can throw them anywhere. They can survive one. Yeah. But you know Malay, kita orang Melayu. So, so, so that's something. That, that's just a tidbit, by mm. the way. Like that's something that I grew up hearing, mm. and that's why I work even harder to just to prove myself. Because yeah. for me. That's what, and it's something that translates to career as well. Because again, there's a stereotype like Malay people are lazy, right? That's something that I'm familiar as well. So, the fact that I haven't expected to be IU, the fact that there's a stereotype of me being lazy, and then the fact that Malay people cannot work hard or go beyond, mm-hmm. right? Because with the fact that of my race, mm-hmm. that's somehow, like, somehow like, I'm, I'm looking at your story just now, and I'm just like, huh. Because you guys value being hardworking. Sometimes for me, I think in my culture, yes, being hardworking is nice. Mm-hmm. But there's always that humbleness. It's always like that. That don't be flashy, basically. Mm. In my culture, I feel like this. Don't stand out. Mm. Be with the community. If you stand out, you're 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 greedy or you're collectivist culture. Yeah, right? but isn't that a very Asian thing, though? It is. Yeah. It is. Mm. But I think. Chinese have more of that kiasu Yes You guys I think you guys mean it, but While you guys are collective 
I feel like We're also very single Single in a sense like Single is in like Boost the family up mm. I think you can be Successful but remember Don't forget your family mm. Isn't that like a mm-hmm. Yeah mm-hmm. Yeah that mm. feels like it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for us It's not just the family mm-hmm. It's the It's with everyone yeah. Like I think it's a lot more There's this one phrase That people tend to use mm. um, Chinese people like cockroaches you throw them anywhere, even in a nuclear war, they will survive. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> it reminded yeah, yeah, me of yeah, that. Like, yeah, 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 we are like katsat. In Chinese, we say that katsat is cockroach. Okay. <laughs> like, like I always hear like people, in, like older people in my family, or like even people outside Malay community will say like, no, like Chinese people are very brave, and but they you say these things to deter me from achieving things. Mm. They're Chinese because they're brave. They work very hard. Mm-hmm. No fear. They they're good with business. Money. <laughs> they're good with money. So you're not. We're not that because we're not Chinese. Therefore, you know, be careful. Mm-hmm. Like, don't go beyond. Okay. So I'm just gonna ask that. Okay. So like this. Um. So in a sense, you don't use the the the, the common trait between mainland Chinese and mainland Chinese is the fact that the belief of working hard, lah. The common trait. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's what Jane is insinuating. But do you have? Uh, but are there differences? I don't know about differences, but I guess what I think is similar to what Jane has said mm-hmm. that, uh, on the contrary of uh, of what you said, was uh, you have to work hard. Chinese Chinese people, you have to work hard because you need to. You have all the odds against you. Mm-hmm. You have to make a name for yourself. You have to earn money because money is everything. Mm-hmm. And when you earn money, you get to take care of your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think there's a very strong sense of legacy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Building a legacy for you. you notice all the tycoons. Right. They're building legacies. Um, all the like YTL and all the big big companies. They are building legacies for the future. And that's I think a very strong thing. For I don't know whether it's just a Chinese thing, but you do see this prevalent, quite prevalent amongst the Chinese community. Like build something for your family, mm-hmm. and and make sure that um there's enough for three, four more, five more generations to go on. That that's the drive, you know. Often that's what, like you know I've been around enough friends who happen to be sons and daughters of these prominent mm. families, and yeah, that is something that is a common conversation to have. Mm. Like. We do this for family, mm. for the future generations, mm. and uh, fortunately for me, that could be the reason also because I don't have a lot of Malay friends mm. right at this point in my life. That that's not something common that we think about. Mm. That's where I find that that, that differs. Mm. Now, okay, now let's just really focus on like the the the, the woman experience part, okay? Mm. Because we've gotten a bit like quite general, <laughs> yeah. which is fun, yeah. but like it's, it's it's let's just stay on topic. So I wanted to uh, do a segue from. Just talking about the stereotypes, these Chinese women stereotypes, to your own. How do these stereotypes do they influence your formation of your identity? Like, how do you see yourself? Do you see? And these are like multiple questions here. Do you see yourself more of a? Do you subscribe to more of a Malaysian identity, or do you subscribe more as a Chinese identity, or maybe on the marriage of both? Or how would you describe your identity? What is important to you? Like. Okay, I think in my case because I grew up in a mostly Chinese environment, and to me that that's Malaysian. So mm. to be honest, because I have not had a lot of um, 
friends or or with other people who are non-Chinese and grew up in a totally very, very, very Chinese environment. So everything that we did, everything that uh, uh, expectations and whatnot, I assume that that's Malaysian expectations, really. Despite until until after I came out from uni. Wow, because that's quite late. Up, yeah, exactly. So up until uni, I was very much in a Chinese environment still. But you, th- you see it as Malaysian? Yeah, I see it as Malaysian. Ah. Yeah, until, until I went on to another university, and that was where I got into a, whoa, so many different uh, people, other cultures and whatnot, and other expectations and everything coming in, and that made me confused. Mm. So all this while when I was growing up, it was a lot of what we discussed before. Mm-hmm. One was image. Mm-hmm. Image is really important. Mm-hmm. Like weight, uh, the way you carry yourself and stuff like that, that's really important. And, and what else? <laughs> ah, family, right? Mm. And family. Right. So all those while like gatherings, reunions, anything to do with family and all that, that was one of the really important uh, points, goals that, you know, that uh, I grew up with. Right, okay. Yeah. Jane? Um, my identity. I I don't see I see myself as a mix uh, Malaysian Chinese mm. because I cannot separate my Chineseness from being a Malaysian, I feel for mm. me. Because I can't say I'm I'm mainland Chinese. I'm not there's no way I can go back and say that oh this is what I am. In the first place I can't read Chinese. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't read Chinese. But I can speak? I can speak Chinese, but my I would still say my first language is English. Right. I spoke English growing up mm-hmm. at home, and therefore I'm not super Chinese as what the Chinese Chinese people would say. If you can't speak Mandarin, you're a banana. Right. Right. If you're a banana, then you're not Chinese enough. Right. It, that's what I've always gotten all all along from from school. Even though I didn't go to a Chinese medium school, um, but there were a lot of friends who spoke Mandarin at home, or Hokkien, or whatever. So, um, I couldn't. And that means that my group of friends were quite small, because only people who were comfortable speaking English would be my friend. So, um, that experience is also quite different as a, as a non-Chinese speaking Chinese in an environment where a lot of people spoke Chinese. So, um, that but was... But you went to a national school, right? Like in high school? Um, national syllabus, yes. But, um... Still, a lot of the typical when you grow up and in a Chinese family, that they tend to speak some kind of Chinese dialect. Okay, so you call yourself a banana. Is yeah. that a problem for your parents? Okay, my dad has set out to teach us um, speaking Hokkien, growing up, okay. and then for some reason he stopped speaking Hokkien to us. And when he started again, we refused to answer him. So he was like, "Oh, that's too late, lah. Too late, lah. Finish." So it was just English all the way because both my parents um studied under the British system. Right. So they never went to Chinese school themselves. So they were very comfortable speaking English. And my parents stayed in the UK for about five, six years. So it was that kind of environment that I grew up with in that kind of like English speaking. So technically they don't um they don't see a problem la, for you being they, a banana. They don't see a problem. They can't read Chinese themselves. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel while growing up then? I felt a little um a little bit isolated. Um Friends would talk Chinese, you know, speak Chinese amongst themselves. I kind of get bits of it, but I pretend I don't get it. Why? Um, because that's what I expected of me, I guess. So then um, they would just turn around like, oh, Jane, you don't understand. And they continue talking. I'm like, 
So do you make effort then because you can't relate uh-huh. do you tend to have more non Chinese friends? Ah, I had good friends. For me, I had friends that were in my school that were more Chinese, but there was also Indians, Malays, and I tend to mix with them lah. You're mm-hmm. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have Chinese friends, but I tend to mix with them as well. So I remember in high school, in primary school, I would mix with some Chinese girls, but then I was quite cozy with the the Malay girl, the the Indian girl in my class, and then in high school, early secondary school, I was really really close with these three Malay girls, and then um. In, later on in high school, I was very close with um, an Indian girl and then a Chinese. Okay, friend, now so. here's the thing because I'm going to draw from my own childhood okay. how I choose friends. Yeah. Now, um, you said like you don't feel Chinese enough when you hang out with your Chinese yeah. friends. So when you make friends with who are non-Chinese, does it sort of help you make feel more Chinese? Isn't that how it is? Like when you go overseas, you tend to want to hang on to your own race and culture, that kind of thing, right? So when you talk to someone that's from another race, you tend to like oh, be a bit more, I guess, conscious. But is it like, because okay, I'm gonna show you my 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 okay. experience okay. because I made a. Sound, I'm gonna get a lot of flag from this from my relatives or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, but basically, I grew up with like rejecting the the notion of proper Melayu I really okay, don't like that stereotype. Okay, okay. Right. So what I do is that like, uh, and then I felt I found English and I became so good at it, and mm. I felt like this is my thing, mm. you know. And and then um, I refused to a certain extent to talk in Malay. To hang out with Malay mm. friends because I don't want to be surrounded by these Malay idealisms. I don't want to be like oppressed by it. To me, that's how I felt. Therefore, yes. Were there any reasons that prompted you to kind of like reject, reject that, that yeah. image? I think because like it's purely from my dad's side because uh, I think on my grandfather. Okay. Because I never got to meet my grandfather, mm-hmm. and my grandmother is kind of like she is considered the in-laws mm. to my grandfather's siblings. So mm. like she is a bit like. Eh, a bit like she somewhat removed lah, um, and and the thing is, my grandfather is the first child, if that means of the line, mm. and then my father is the first mm. of his generation line, mm. and I'm the first. Yeah. So, I'm the first great granddaughter of the Waris Mio Mahmud. You know, what mm. I mean, like all these generations, mm. right? And to this day, I am still there's there's no new generation yet yeah. for my family. Okay. They're waiting for me. Okay. Because whatever people person maybe they still fall into my line, mm. you know what I mean. So there's a bit of that expectation where, but I think that's why it makes me feel like a natural born leader mm. because I'm the first mm. of many things mm. for this family. And because I'm a girl, and knowing that she, if she were to give birth, she will give birth to the mm. the next generation, next first, the next first. And the thing is, you have to understand, like my my dad's side, the young family side. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny It's Malay <laughs> um, um, They're quite Not to say like I think my great great grandfather Or whatever ancestors like, They were kind of old money right. We're not rich now right. But they kind of have like Old money mm. mentality So there's There are some of the aunties Who are quite posh yeah. So they have very old money Sort of mentality mm-hmm. You know Because we are somewhat Part royalty Or something mm. like that Because of the young family mm. So that's how That kind of trickles down And then they kind of like Because you're a woman So you're the first yeah. But you're a woman though yeah. So you need to be this. You need yeah, to be that. Yeah. So I and it's been like kind of pounded in my head. Wow. 
while I was still running around my kampong like playing with my cousins whatever like Safia you have to stand straight Safia you have to you know like walk straight girl like you know speak carefully or whatever you know and it helps kind of like I have the look for it because I'm fair skin, you know, like being fair skin is always celebrated mm-hmm. in our culture. So it's like all of that, mm-hmm. and I refuse, and I get a lot of flack for it from all these my great grand aunts. Mm-hmm. They literally would police me mm-hmm. growing up. So I reject all of that, mm-hmm. and uh, so what I do is that now that I've discovered English, which is like my escape, mm-hmm. and I became quite good at it. And then, then I started making friends. I make friends with a lot of non-Malays when I was growing up. It was because that. I by doing that I get to define what it means to be a Malay because because these people wouldn't know much about my culture is one thing yeah. second it's very interesting when you this is what I notice when you're in a diverse environment when you are a minority I feel you can get away with a lot of things and I want that uh. because I'm majority right so I'm constantly being like this she does not fit this she does not fit that so when I hang out with non-Malays mm-hmm. I'm more of like you guys will probably be like, oh, she's very interesting because she does not behave mm-hmm. the way that mm-hmm. Malay is supposed to behave. But that's still that's just fascinating, and it stops there because you guys cannot cannot relate because it's a different culture. Mm-hmm. So for me, I love that because I can just do whatever, and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get like, flag for it. Was it a conscious thing? Yeah. Oh, it was conscious. It was kind of conscious. Wow. I kind of, I kind of, I, I can, wow. I can vocalize it now, uh-huh. but that was after reflecting on it. Yeah. But really, the reason why I enjoy being friends with multiracial people is because that I get to define what it means to be Malay for me. Right. That's really interesting. Because yeah, that kind of reminds me. Okay, because you touched on two things, right? So first, it was because like you were the first of generation. You get to define things, mm-hmm. and therefore you are actively, you know, like redefining trying to redefine yeah. the image and when i bring that back to myself mm-hmm. and think about it mm-hmm. i was if i think about it yeah like i was one of the um, younger ones right and my dad was one of the younger ones so in a sense not that much expectations mm-hmm. i was basically just like floundering around mm-hmm. you know part of family but you know just floundering around mm-hmm. so i was trying my best to fit in mm-hmm. and i felt I said that I was in a mainly Chinese environment when mm-hmm. I grew up. So when it was when it was primary school and towards the first few years of secondary school, uh, it was comfortable because mm-hmm. everyone spoke English. Mm-hmm. Even though it is primarily a Chinese environment, it's a mm-hmm. national school, but in that area, everyone spoke English. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the main things that I remember from primary school was that there's always all of us vying for first place mm. so it's pretty much you know we're like you need to get first mm-hmm. or need to get second mm-hmm. or it's all about the rankings yeah. right the even in a national school yes but i'm like you know after a while i was like i'm tired of this and i'm kind of like the average mm. the average one and mm. just uh i was feeling really comfortable with fitting in with just you know being one of the average ones okay you you are one of the good ones and all that go ahead I'll just do what what I what I do best and I'll just go along with it and then I realized so later on like towards the end of secondary school and going to uni I became not part of the group now mm. because when I went on uh, in the last couple of years in secondary school more of the Chinese uh, my friends 
became the ones who were speaking Mandarin mm. and Cantonese rather than the English speaking ones. Yeah. Right. And in that sense, I think it was where I started being different. Right. And then even in uni as well, uni was like really everyone speaking Mandarin. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you have to be able to speak Mandarin in order yeah. to fit in. And I can't fit in because right. I can't speak Mandarin. Right. Right. So I think that was that time when I got a sense of right. I'm different. Okay. Yeah. But did so, you branch out like me? <laughs> uh, I didn't care. Yeah, then, right. <laughs> no, I wanted to fit in. So okay. I think subconsciously I was trying to fit in mm-hmm. by okay, you guys speak Mandarin, you guys are watching Mandarin dramas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I'll try to watch Mandarin dramas too. Mm. I'll try to speak Mandarin too. Okay. I think that was the year when I could really speak Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And after that, I forgot. No. <laughs> lost it again. <laughs> yes, I lost it. But yeah. I think that, that was me trying to fit in because I didn't want to stand out. And yeah, and when, when, when I, when it, even if I was able to speak Mandarin and stuff like that, it was always that conscious, people would be conscious of it. They'd mm. be like, she's the, she's the one who can speak only English. Yeah. And she's different. Yeah. So even if it's like Chinese, Chinese kind of thing, but it still feels like there's a certain barrier of yeah. sorts, kind of. Yeah. So I guess in my case, considering that you guys are now like considering, I, I guess like, okay, like you're not the traditional type, lah. Mm. Right? I guess if okay, the fact that you guys are not traditional, that's why we're friends, isn't it? Yeah. in that sense. <laughs> How does that affect the prospects of your future? How you plan out your future? Like because okay lah, typical lah. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the thing you know, I find like, I'm quite jealous of Chinese women sometimes. Mm-hmm. This part about marriage, mm-hmm. because y'all can afford to get married late. And I'm I'm just saying in a Malaysian Chinese observation, mm-hmm. y'all it's okay. It's a bit weird you got married early. Mm-hmm. Um, Malay people have to marry early. Like mm-hmm. oh, like it's always it's like uh, by oh. 25 that's considered late. Mm-hmm. You know, but I see like a lot of Chinese people because it's more practical to get married mm-hmm. at a later age because mm-hmm. you have a bit more money and that's all right. that. Is that something new or is it something memang zaman dulu dah? Okay, um, I think traditionally it's the same. Mm-hmm. Like the Malays, you should be getting married early because you know the whole economics of it, like you get married, you have more people, blah blah blah. But I think the Chinese uh, also has a stereotype of being intensely practical mm-hmm. and very money, uh, careful with money. Right. So it has kind of evolved into this thing now where don't get married until you have a house, a car, a decent career, a properly educated. The five C's. Yeah, the condo, no, the, the, car, are, the condo, five C's? the car, I don't know. the career, credit card, the credit card and, and good knows. So um, it's about practicality. So it has become like that, like a general culture amongst Malaysian Chinese to be super practical. So yeah, they get married a bit later. In other least it's fine. Yeah, I guess in that case, it's something that's pretty new. It's fairly right? new, yes. Because I, I know say, like yeah. my grandma and stuff, mm. I am a grandma, and my aunts even, mm. they got married pretty, pretty early. Yeah. It was yeah. like right after, okay, grandma didn't, didn't Grandma got really got married really early, like eighteen nineteen. Mm-hmm. Whereas with my aunts, mm-hmm. after they finished, mm-hmm. after they graduated, mm-hmm. that's the time to get married. Yeah, mm. yeah. But so it's a new yeah. thing. Yeah, with my generation. Did you guys get pressured? No, with my generation, everyone got married late. <laughs> so still like, single. So that's fine, mm. 
the I think my aunts and uncles just have to live with it. They have been grumbling, mm-hmm. like, why are you guys taking your time? Mm. Why so slow? Why aren't you? Oh, no, no, do you have a boyfriend yet? Mm. When do you oh do get married yet? Stuff yeah. like that. Um, but generally, my entire generation, my cousins and whatnot, we've all been not not been getting hitched early. Yeah, right. a lot of us are in like our thirties, and my eldest cousin. Sorry, I know they're not gonna listen in. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna kill me for this. <laughs> he he only got married like really late, like how forties. Okay. Yeah, but I think that was in part because mm-hmm. there was that thing about interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. So and even though I say like my family is very you know pretty modern and stuff like that mm-hmm. they were still not very into the idea of interracial yeah. relationships is it religion or ra- is race, it's race. It's just we are not really race, race. Yeah. Okay. purely race like, talking about that uh, I just wanted to it's not religion okay so so for in our previous episode when we talked about uh, the Malay ident- the Malay woman identity right mm. <coughs> one topic that came up was religion mm. and how much it plays a huge part in the formation of the Malay uh, the Malay identity, it plays a huge role, and then we eventually got to the the topic of wearing the hijab. Yeah. Now that's very much part that. of the mm-hmm. Malay Malay identity. Now I wonder, uh, and I know you guys are from two different faiths mm-hmm. or beliefs system beliefs. Um, how does, in your opinion, how does religion play a role in your identity as a Chinese woman, or does it even play a big role? Religion-wise, I think not quite. More of customs, mm. traditional customs. Like we have, we have our own shrines, and then uh, for ancestors, mm. for my grandmother, my great grandmother, and stuff like that. And then when it comes to prayers and stuff, we keep to the to those festival dates and uh, whenever it's required, like Qingming and mm. the, what's mm. that visiting the date visiting the tombs mm. and stuff like that. That's we right. keep we keep to all these customs. But if we're talking but about it's not religious No, okay. it feels like it's more of just practices yeah. rather than mm. religion. Because in a sense, like my entire family we don't have a particular particular religion that everybody keeps to. We did grow up with a sort of a Buddhist mm. Buddhist influence but at present, most of my aunts and uncles have switched faiths. Mm. But oh. we're still, yeah, yeah. Half half of my half of my aunts and uncles have switched faiths already. Mm. But we are all still coming together and still mm. doing all these prayers with the altars and stuff mm. like that. So I think, um, in my case, rather than being uh, to a religion that that, identif- that defines the identity, I think it's our traditional practices mm. that we keep up with. Do you see that as important? Like for you personally, do you think that's important? Yes. Mm, Why? Although I have to say I haven't been practicing much of it. (laughs) When you ask me like this, my immediate answer is like, yes. Because is that the right thing to say? No, no, it feels like it defines. It defines who I am as a Chinese. Mm -hmm. It defines who the Chinese are. Mm -hmm. But I can't say that I'm someone who really keeps to it all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Because I remember Because I uh, uh, One of my friends Shout out to Alia Now my friend Alia She is Her grandmother is Chinese But basically after you know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. She's Malila. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, oh my gosh, she's going to kill me. But basically, <laughs> uh, she was in a relationship with a Chinese guy mm-hmm. a few years back and he's from China. Okay. Um, and then, okay, there was this really sick joke that we said like, oh, Alia, you really... And this, our Chinese, Malaysian Chinese friends like make fun of her for this saying like, yo, we know you like Chinese men but you don't have to go like really authentic though. <laughs> You don't have to shop that for, like that authentic though. <laughs> it was damn. It was kind of funny lah. But basically, like I remember, like when they they were so serious because they were they went out for like four years and it was it was a serious relationship, and they've known each other's parents and everything. And and um, her ex is a typically from China. Like he's a very rich. Uh, he's from those tycoon family or whatever. But it's a one child policy, so he's mm. the only child, mm. right? So the parents were the his parents loved my friend Alia. But it was like I remember they're not religious, mm-hmm. and they know that Max will <laughs> no, they're not gonna listen to this. <laughs> so screwed. But but basically, like he is not religious, but they know that not, that he had if he wants to be with Alia, he will need to convert, mm-hmm. right? Now um, the parents are totally fine with that, but they were only worried about one thing. About the ancestor, like praying the ancestral. That was like that's their that's their compromise. They said like, yeah, you can son, you can convert and do whatever, but promise me when you have children, during this dates of festivals, they have to perform the, the prayer and everything. Okay. And then and my friend Ali at the time she was like, yeah, sure, you know, uh, but. At one point, isn't that religion? I, I remember thinking, I'm like, isn't that religion? But now I know it's mm-hmm. actually. Um, Feels more like practices because mm-hmm. uh, in our family, different faiths, mm-hmm. uh, even though we don't really believe in this anymore and stuff like that, you still come together and still do it. Mm-hmm. So, but then wouldn't that go against you if you have your own faith? Mm-hmm. But wouldn't that like kind of like contradict somehow because you would have your own understanding about life mm-hmm. of the death, no? I can't speak. For okay. That. Okay, for me, um, I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. so um, a lot of this kind of like um, like Qingming and all that, Christians in generally don't participate. So um, when I kind of came to my dad and told him I've, I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. I have chosen mm-hmm. to be a Christian, um, it was very hard on him because my dad is not particularly religious. He was not, we never had a religious anything when I was growing up. It was only, I guess, in secondary school that he started to get interested in these things. And then when we moved house, that was the first time we had an altar in the house. And then he started to put incense and all that kind of thing. And um, we were not particularly very cultural family. We would go back Chinese near to my grandma's. My grandma's, my dad's side, they're highly custom traditions very very into that very much every like first and 15th of the chinese month they will have vegetarian food they will do this they'll do everything whatever they have to burn they burn whatever they have to do they do so um my family my dad my mom and the kids we were never so into that we just follow along on the big things and that's about it so um but as my dad grew older he started to become more and more religious for whatever reason it may be so when i thought he was going to be a christian it was really he got angry and he, 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 I mean, being a typical Chinese father, of course, he doesn't express to me why he was angry. He was just angry. And I found out later it was because of this, the ancestral thing. Like, um, number one, if you become a Christian, you're abandoning your Chinese heritage. You're trying to be like the white people. 
That's what they think. Okay. There's one thing I noticed so about Chinese people yes. is that you guys are very proud of your heritage. Yes. I admire mm. that. And to a certain extent, I think um, like there is a bit of the Malay envy to that mm. because uh, this is something that I've been rediscovering. I'm, this is my journey at the moment mm. is the fact that why is it that uh, our my heritage or my culture doesn't seem as strong and there's mm. not a lot of dare I say resources or history mm. behind it compared to you guys because you guys have this wealth of re- like yeah and it's all recorded yes right yeah, that's yeah. like this pride over heritage and like, I think because you have concrete evidence correct yeah. and I think like also in my family like as I say my dad side you talk about culture and heritage we have an ancestral book of all our names in there <gasps> I don't know it goes by how many generations but many generations wow. and into my generation is recorded of course beyond us we probably wouldn't go back to China anymore so it probably will not be recorded so all the males boys middle names are already predetermined Oh, so my brother, my cousins of the same generation has the same middle name. Of course, females we don't lah. Because mm. females, <laughs> but for the next generation, we also already have a predetermined name. I don't know for how many generations they have, but it's already there. So there's this kind of like very stronghold of culture, and to convert out of that, um, it's it's like a betrayal. You're leaving your entire thing behind Because for Christians We don't do the whole like Praying to the dead Right We feel like after death It's heaven or hell Yeah And then um, The person is not there anymore Why are you still burning stuff for them Right That kind of thing So we don't really participate So it's A totally new concept Difficult So um, I have been told that Yeah do what you want But these things are important and so there's this whole grappling of that kind of stuff. So that also has, because um, Chinese, as you say, as Sue has said, is very cultural. Mm. I would say a lot of practices. Sometimes you ask them the logic behind why you do this. That's just because we're Chinese. Yeah, yeah it's Chinese but people so interesting yeah. My grandmother's sister, uh-huh. my great grand aunt, uh, grand aunt, is has actually converted to Christian, mm. and but there hasn't been that sort of. Uh, mm. I guess there wasn't any kind of barrier. Mm. Uh, it just felt like, oh, you're Christian, okay. Mm. But we're still, we're still. Is it because you know, she's customary she's such as older? I don't know mm. because they the, um, my great my grand aunt's family mm-hmm. from her time on have all been Christians. Mm. So that means my cousin, my mm. uncle, and all that from there mm. are all Christians. But yeah. we don't have that barrier, so right. to speak. And my grandmother's a really devout. Mm. She she does all the you know all the prayers. She's basically attached to a temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she helps out there. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard you of never any that. sort of right. uh, uh, mm. dispute or right. anything like that. Yeah. yeah so also so in my experience, I mean, I I've met a lot of people that have gone through the same thing, but much much worse than me. They've been told to leave and all that. Like if you do this, you're turning your back against. You your know family. what? I that, find yeah. it very interesting because I thought that would only happen if you convert to Islam. Yeah, I thought no. I actually like that because too. I think if you're like any other religion than Islam in Malaysia, mm-hmm. like you're like somehow they feel oh heritage is safe. No. Unless you're the kind of like Oh I'm just Christian by name I just do I still practice everything that I practiced before But I just give myself the name Christian Then maybe they'll be fine But I think people kind of know that like I'll just go into a, like a story um, When my grandma passed away Again my dad's like highly religious Highly they will burn the Massive paper houses and all that, A lot of things And um, as a Christian I don't participate in the whole joystick thing 
and the whole like prayer thing and all that. I was there, I was in white, I was there the entire every day, whatever, the entire funeral was there. But um I had to keep telling everybody, oh I don't participate because I'm a Christian and people be like, What? So it's like don't you want to pay respects. Pay respects to your grandma. I said I loved her when she was alive. I did. I visited her and all that. And I'm here now. I'm here. I'm here for everyone. I'll do whatever. I just don't participate in these kind of things. And it's it's kind of a bit difficult for a lot of people around me. And but my grandma, I guess towards the end, she kind of understood. Actually, she instructed um, my aunties that Jane is a Christian. Don't force her to participate. It was towards the end already. Oh, that's nice. So if if she hadn't done that, it would have been a lot more difficult for me. Was your grandma okay with you switching? Okay, because I was a grandchild. Grandchild different Different, different. You have your kids to discipline, but your grandchild to spoil, right? It's Mm -hmm. different. But if um, if I was her child, I would be having a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess that went to my dad, and my dad was there for a bit. Even now, we don't discuss this religion thing with my dad because my dad has very strong opinions. So uh, we don't talk about it. He knows I'm a Christian. We just leave it there. Right. He knows I go to church. We just leave it there. We don't discuss it. So um, and both my brothers are not religious, as in they are free thinkers or whatever. So there's not a single one of the three of us that will participate in the whole. Ans- so even thing. okay. So this is interesting. So okay lah. Down might sound very shallow and no. and, and ignorant, but like I understand if you're Muslim or you're Christian. That those Abrahamic religions yeah. where we're we're clear yeah. on there are certain things that we cannot do yeah. in culture, certain cultural practices Correct. because it goes against our beliefs. Mm. But if you're a free thinker, wouldn't you just like because you don't believe in it? But wouldn't you just do it because technically you're like a free agent? <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, it's me actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just do right. Yeah, I just do. Yeah, yeah. I um, I guess they would, but like if you were my brothers, they'll be like, but what's the point? They, my both my brothers are more scientific and rational thinking. Like, oh, it's just a waste of time. Like, what's the point? So they don't do things to please people, lah. Basically, I see. They're I like, see. Ah, I if see. I don't see a point in it, I'm just not going to do it. So, so I guess amongst the three of us, there's not not one of us that will be taking part in that kind of thing. I think that worries my dad. Right. Yeah, he, it does worry him. I think, but he's not talking about it. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. On my side. I mean, all the all yeah. my cousins because yeah. I'm the only child, right? So yeah. all my cousins who are boys, basically, mm-hmm. they've all been drilled that right. importance mm-hmm. since young, mm-hmm. since when my granddad was mm-hmm. around. He's been taking them out right. for his practices and stuff like that. So even though some of them have converted, some of them mm-hmm. are like free thinkers like mm-hmm. me. They still they still do. Yeah. To me, I guess I. I was able to come out of it a bit more. I'm still like, okay, it's important, it's important. Right. But because I'm a girl, yeah. nobody forces me to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, if you don't ask me, I'll just stay in the fringe. <laughs> okay, so guys, I, I, I'm, oh, I'm loving this conversation. To be honest, I'm, I'm really excited about the content here. Mm-hmm. But we're short on time. <laughs> um, and the thing is, I'm like really thinking, I'm like, should we do like a second episode? Because I still feel like we haven't, we have only scratched the surface really. Yeah. Right? And I, I'm still thinking, it's now more about like, what does it mean to be Chinese or they're like how can we differentiate that being okay Chinese is one thing but woman though like mm. you know what I mean like because that's yeah, we haven't gone we haven't really <laughs> gone into <laughs> that <laughs> because there's so many stuff to cover yeah. and that's so interesting and you know what I wonder why is it that um, when I spoke about my Malay experience how does it to be a Malay woman it's a lot easier to just get straight to the point point. Oh. and mm-hmm. stay with me on this 
Because and we get straight to the point And then immediately I felt like macam The stuff that I go through is something that is universal Because it's like these are just typical female expectations In my opinion lah mm. Like I feel like if you're Chinese, if you're Indian, you're Mak Saleh or whatever You, you can think that's the struggle That's the female struggle mm. Not so much about the Malayness mm. But it's the female struggle mm. And then with you guys It was very interesting because we unpacked a lot About what does it mean to be Chinese first mm-hmm. And we haven't even gotten to the woman part per se, right? And and then this is my theory, like or hypothesis. Could it be because the fact that the Chinese culture has so much heritage and record and history behind it, recorded history, and compare that to me being a Malay who is, I just found out that apparently we had such rich history. It's just that a lot of it was destroyed during the war, mm. like when we were colonized. Mm. So a lot of records were gone. And it was spread around and mm. everything, and how our ties to the Maori lah, whatever. Like apparently we're like, we have relatives of ancestors there. So, but these are very unknown things. So for me, when I want to talk about what does it mean to be Malay, I struggle, and I always resort back to, oh, Islam, mm-hmm. because that is something that is almost synonymous, synonymous mm. compared to you guys can really talk about Chinese. Mm. Christian or free thinker or mm. like culture, mm. right? And for me, it's quite hard, mm. right? And I find that very interesting. And I really hope uh, we will have another opportunity to talk about this a bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is really cool. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. You yeah. So uh, maybe I might call you guys. <laughs> Like, hey guys, you want to go to another episode? Uh, yeah. If it comes with coffee, yes. And in a better location also. I know. Okay? More comfortable location. So, anyways, thank you so much, guys. Alright. Uh, hopefully, you guys will. Well, I know Jane will probably listen, but soon I'm judging you a little bit. I okay. Listen to every episode. Exactly. Jane is my true fan. <laughs> True fan and friend. What? <laughs> but I don't do Facebook or Instagram. They are so hard to reach you sometimes. But anyways, okay. Uh, I'm just gonna end this. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and this is Safia, and you're listening to Young, Young People. People. Bye.